Welcome to the Enchanted Library, where we turn the pages of books, beautiful and old, living and magical. It's time to curl up, get cozy, and join us on an adventure. We're reading from An Enchanted Garden, Fairy Stories, by Mrs. Molesworth. Chapter 3 Let's follow it along, said Alex, after another moment or two's hesitation. They were standing, as I said, not many yards from the end of the wall, and thither the sound seemed to lead them. When they got quite to the corner, the tapping had stopped, but the children were not discouraged. That's what fairies do, said Alex as if all her life she had lived on intimate terms with the beings she spoke of. They show you a bit, then they leave you to find out a bit for yourself. We must poke about now and see what we can find. Rafe had already set to work in this way. He was feeling and prodding the big, solid-looking stones which finished off the corner. Alex, he exclaimed, one of these stones shakes a little. Let's push at it together. Yes, there was no doubt that it yielded a little, especially at one side. The children pushed with all their might and main, but for some time an uncertain sort of wobbling was the only result. Rafe stood back a little to recover his breath and to look at the stone more critically. There may be some sort of spring or hinge about it, he said at last. Give me the parasol again, Alex. He then pressed the point of it firmly along the side of the stone, down the seam of mortar which appeared to join it to its neighbor in the wall. He need not have pressed so hard, for when he got to the middle of the line, the stone suddenly yielded, turning inward so quickly and sharply that Rafe almost fell forward on the parasol, and a dark, square hole was open before them. Alex started forward and peeped in. "'Rafe!' she cried. "'There's a sort of handle inside. Shall I try to turn it?' She did so without waiting for his answer. It moved quite easily, and then they found that the two or three stones completing the row to the ground— below the ones that had already opened, were really only thin slabs joined together and forming a little door. It was like the doors you sometimes see in a library, which on the outside have an appearance of a row of books. The opening was now clear before them, and they did not hesitate to pass through. They had to stoop a little, but once within it was easy to stand upright, and even side by side. Alex caught hold of Rafe's hand. "'Let's keep fast hold of each other,' she whispered. For a few steps they had advanced in almost total darkness, for the door behind them had noiselessly closed. But this was in the nature of things, and quite according to Alex's program. "'I only hope,' she went on, "'that we haven't somehow or other got inside the cave where the Pied Piper took the children. It might have been an opening into England somehow, even though I think Hamlin was in Germany. But, of course, there's nothing to be frightened at, is there, Rafe?' Though her own heart was beating fast." Rafe's only answer was a sort of grunt, which expressed doubt, though we will not say fear. Perhaps it was the safest answer he could make under the very peculiar circumstances. But no doubt it was a great relief to both, when, before they had time really to ask themselves whether they were frightened or not, a faint light showed itself in front of them, growing stronger and brighter as they stepped on, till at last they could clearly make out in what sort of a place they were. It was a short, fairly wide passage, seemingly hollowed out of the ground, and built up in the same way as the wall outside the soil. In fact, it was like a small tunnel. 
The light was of a reddish hue, and soon they saw the reason of this. It came from an inner room, the door of which was half open, where a fire was burning brightly, and by the hearth sat a small figure. The children looked at each other, and then they bent forward to see more. Noiseless though they were, the little person seemed to know they were coming. She lifted her head, and though her face was partly hidden by the hood of the scarlet cloak which covered her almost entirely, they saw it was that of a very old woman. "'Welcome, my dears,' she said at once. "'I have been looking for you this long time.' Her voice, though strange, in what way it was strange the children could not have told, for it seemed to come from far away, and yet it seemed to them that they had often heard it before, encouraged them to step forward. "'Good morning,' Alex began, but then she hesitated. Was it morning, or evening, or night, or what? It was difficult to believe that only a few minutes ago they had been standing outside in the warm sunshine, with a soft spring breeze wafting among the fresh green leaves and the birds singing overhead. That all seemed a dream. "'I beg your pardon,' the little girl began again. "'I don't quite know what I should say, but thank you for speaking so kindly. How did you know we were coming?' "'I heard you,' replied the old woman. "'I heard your little footsteps up to the gateway yesterday, "'and I knew you'd come again today.' "'By this time, Rafe had found his tongue, too. "'Did you send the wren?' he said. "'Never mind about that just now,' she answered. "'I'm many a messenger, and what's better still, "'I've quick eyes and even quicker ears, "'for all that I'm so very old. "'I know what you want of me, "'and if you're good children, you shall not be disappointed.' I've been getting ready for you in more ways than one. Do you mean you've got stories to tell us? exclaimed the children eagerly. Of course, she replied with a smile. I wouldn't be much good if I hadn't stories for you. All this time, I must tell you, the old woman had been busily knitting. Her needles made a little silvery click, but there was nothing fidgeting about this sound. Now and then her words seemed to go in sort of time with it. What she was knitting they could not see. Alex gave a deep sigh of satisfaction. "'How beautiful!' she said. "'And may we come every day, and may we stay as long as we like, and will you sometimes invite us to tea, perhaps, and—' "'Alex,' said Rafe, in a tone of reproval. "'Nay, nay,' said their hostess. "'Let her chatter. "'All in good time, my love,' she added to Alex, and the click of the needles seemed to repeat the words, "'All in good time,' like a little song.' Rafe's eyes, which were sometimes more observant than Alex's, as his tongue did not use up so much of his attention as hers, had meanwhile been wandering round the room. It can, I think, be best described as a very cozy kitchen, but unlike many kitchens, it was fresh and not the least too hot. There was a strange, pleasant fragrance in the air that made one think of pine woods. Afterwards, the children found out that this came from the fire, for it was entirely of fir cones of which a large heap stood neatly stacked in one corner. A long chain hung down the chimney, with a hook at the end, to which a bright red copper pan was fastened. A little kettle of the same metal stood on the hearthstone, which was snowy white. The walls of the room were of rough stone, redder in color than the wall outside, or else the firelight made them seem so. Behind where the old woman sat hung a grass-green curtain, closely drawn. There was no lamp or candle, but the firelight was quite enough— a wooden dresser ran along one side, and on its shelves were arranged cups and plates and jugs of the queerest shapes and colors you could imagine. I must tell you more about these later on. There was a settle with a very curious patchwork cushion, 
but besides this and the rocking chair on which sat the old woman, I forgot to say she was sitting on a rocking chair, the only seats were two little three-legged stools. The middle of the floor was covered by matting of a kind the children had never seen. It was shaded brown and made you think of a path strewn over with fallen leaves in autumn. The old woman's kindly tone encouraged Rafe to speak in his turn. "'May I ask you one or two things,' he said, "'before you begin telling us the stories?' "'As many as you like, my boy,' she replied cheerfully. "'I don't say I'll answer them all. "'That's rather a different matter. "'But you can ask all the same.' "'It's so puzzling,' said Rafe, hesitating a little. "'I don't think it puzzles Alex so much as me. "'She knows more about fairy things, I think. "'I do so want to know if you've lived here a very long time. "'Have you always lived here?' even when the old house was standing and there were people in it? Never mind about always, replied the old woman. A very, very long time? Yes, longer than you could understand, even if I explained it. Long before the old house was pulled down? Yes, indeed, long before the old house was ever thought of. I'm the caretaker here nowadays, you see. The caretaker, Rafe repeated, but there's no house to take care of. Well, there's a great deal to take care of, nevertheless, she replied. Think of all the creatures up in the garden, the birds and the butterflies, not to speak of the flowers and the blossom. Ah, yes, we caretakers have a busy time of it, I can tell you, little as you might think it. And the stories? Why, if I had nothing else to do, the looking after them would keep me busy. They take a deal of tidying. You'd scarcely believe the state they come home in sometimes when they've been out for a ramble all torn and jagged and draggle-tailed, or else, what's worse, dressed up in such vulgar new clothes that their own mother, and I'm as good as their mother, would scarcely know them again. No, no. And she shook her head. I've no patience with such ways. Alex looked delighted. She quite understood the old woman. How nicely you say it, she exclaimed. It's like something Papa told us the other day about legends. Don't you remember, Rafe? Rafe's slower wits were still rather perplexed, but he took things comfortably. Somehow, he no longer remembered any more questions to ask. The old woman's bright eyes as she looked at him gave him a pleasant, contented feeling. "'Have you got a story quite ready for us?' asked Alex. "'One, two, three, four, said the old woman, counting her stitches. "'I'm setting it on, my dear. It'll be ready directly. But what have you got in your basket? It's your dinner, isn't it? You must be getting hungry.' "'Wouldn't you like to eat something while the story's getting ready?' "'Are you going to knit the story?' said Alex, looking very surprised. "'Oh, dear, no,' said the old woman, smiling. "'It's only a way I have. "'The knitting keeps it straight. "'Otherwise it might fly off once I let it out. "'Now open your basket, and let's see what you've got for your dinner. "'There, set it on the table, and you may reach down plates and jugs for yourselves.' "'It's nothing much,' said Alex. "'Just some sandwiches and two hard-boiled eggs and some slices of cake.' "'Very good things in their way,' said the old woman, "'as Alex unpacked the little parcels and laid them on the plates "'which Rafe handed her from the dresser. "'And if you look into my larder, you'll find some fruit, maybe, "'which won't go badly for dessert. "'What should you say to strawberries and cream?' "'She nodded toward one corner of the kitchen, where there was a little door, "'which the children had not before noticed, "'so neatly it was fitted into the wall.' The opening of it was another surprise. The larder was quite different from the room inside. It was a little arbor, so covered over with greenery that you could not see through the leaves to the outside, 
though the sunshine managed to creep in here and there, and the twittering of the birds was clearly heard. On a stone slab stood a curious-shaped basket filled with, oh, such lovely strawberries, and beside it a bowl of tempting yellow cream. These were the only eatables to be seen in the larder. "'Strawberries!' exclaimed Rafe. "'Just fancy, Alex, and it's only April!' "'But we're in fairyland, you stupid boy,' said Alex, "'or at least somewhere very near it. "'Quick, children,' came the old woman's voice from the kitchen. "'You bring the strawberries, Alex, and Rafe the cream. "'There'll be no time to stories if you dawdle.' "'This made them hurry back, "'and soon they were seated at the table "'with all the nice things neatly before them. "'They were not greedy children, fortunately.' For as everybody knows, fairy folk hold few things in greater horror than greediness, and they were orderly children, too. They packed up their basket neatly again when they had finished, and Alex asked if they should wash up the plates that had been lent to them, which seemed to please their old friend, for she smiled as she replied that it wasn't necessary. "'My china is of a different kind from any you've seen,' she said. "'With plates,' she added, and then, to the children's amusement, there was a slight rattle." and all the crockery was up in its place again, shining as clean and bright as it had been before it was used. There was now no doubt at all that they really were in fairyland. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and share our podcast with a friend. Stay connected by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash enchantedlibrary. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash enchantedlibrary. We appreciate your support. Until next time, friends, happy reading.